say first of all that I love Sunday nights. Um, they're they're enjoyable to me because they're more of uh, we're, we're meeting as a family here. Sunday mornings we are awesome, and we enjoy having new people come. But most new people come Sunday mornings, not Sunday night. And so when we have Sunday nights, we're able to meet as a family and uh, go over some things that that the family needs to go over. And and I'm I'm grateful for I'm grateful that the church is a family. That it's not a building, but it's a group of people that we get to meet together, that we get to learn from God's Word. And uh, I just want to say that I'm thankful that, that you all are out tonight. And I'm, I'm thankful that for, for Sunday nights, uh, this is going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. So we're going to take our Bibles, go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Um, <clears throat> my dad came in uh, last week for my ordination and uh, spent a couple days here. And we had a lot of fun with him. Gabby and I got to spend a lot of time uh, with him and it's been a couple months since I've seen him last. So it was, it was good for him to be able to come in. And, and I don't know about you, but every time somebody comes into town, uh, one of the things that I love to do is, is to take them to my favorite places, specifically my favorite places to eat. Um, I, I enjoy doing that. I enjoy showing people like my favorite places. My problem is, is since I've lived in Brookings, I, I haven't found a place. Now there's some, some decent places to, to eat in Brookings, but I haven't found a place that's like mind blowing to the point where I'm like, man, I have to take every person that comes to this place to get this. I, I didn't really have one of those places until recently. Uh, and you're going to kind of think that this is weird, but Gabby and I went to Zesto's a while ago and, um, I've had their food there and their food's decent. It's fine. But, uh, but I got one of their avalanches. Have you ever had one of those before? It's ice cream. Good night. I, I got the banana cream, banana cream pie avalanche, and it was like diabetes in a cup, but, but it was delicious. It was awesome. And so I was like, man, I, cause my dad loves banana cream pie, first of all. And so I was like, man, I have to take him here. Like, like this is like going to blow his mind. So uh, while he was here, I was telling him about it. I'm like hyping it up to him. I'm like, Dad, you're gonna love this is gonna change your life. This ice cream is gonna change your life. And so it was the last day he was here and we hadn't made it over there yet. And we're driving in the car and Zesto's is like completely out of the way. I mean, like, like we were nowhere close to Zesto's. And I was like, I have to take him here. I have to show him this ice cream. And so I was like, you know, I don't care if it's on our way or not. I'm, I'm going to go out of our way. So I went completely out of our way to Zesto's, went through the drive-thru and I got it. And it did change him, change his life, just in case you're wondering. Uh, but it, he loved it. It was delicious. And there was a part of me that like, as we're going there, I'm all excited. I, I'm like a little kid because um, I'm excited to share something that I enjoy. And I got to thinking as I was uh, like, as I was going over that story, I was thinking about my dad being here. And I was really excited to share something that I enjoyed. I was really excited to share something that, that had, that had, uh, I want to say it made an impact on me. Ice cream didn't make an impact on me, but I, but I enjoyed it, right? I wanted to share something that I enjoyed. And I got to thinking, why aren't we like that with the gospel? Like, why is it that I can get so excited? We can get so excited to share our favorite foods with people or to go to our favorite places with people or if, like maybe when you and your spouse were dating, like you wanted to go back home and take them to your your favorite spots from when you were a kid. We get, we get really excited to, to share these things with these people. But when it comes to sharing our faith, we get more anxious and nervous than we do excited. Like when, when I'm at the store and God prompts me to share the gospel with someone, there are times where I'm like, I, I really don't want to. It, like, why is it that when we're at home and we're around the family dinner table, like it's Thanksgiving, we, the last thing we want to talk about is faith. 
Like we, we want to go everywhere other than that because we know that if faith gets brought up, like we're going to have a, we're going to have an awkward conversation and we, we don't really want to talk about our faith. Like when we're, when we're at work, um, we know we should share the gospel with our coworkers, but we don't really get all like excited to do so. And, and when God prompts us to, we're, we're kind of like, no, I, I don't want to do that. And we've got this message to share, but there's a part of us that, that doesn't really want to share it. And there's a guy in, 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 well, I already told you where we're going, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was, had, a, had a similar problem because he was, he was asked by God in a similar way like we are to share a message with a group of people, which that's what we're called to do. We're called to share the message of the gospel with the lost and dying world. That's our calling as believers. It's not our only calling, but it is one of our callings is to share the gospel with people, to, to share this message. Jeremiah had a message that, that he was supposed to share with the world. And we're going to learn some things about, about our calling from Jeremiah's calling. And so if you don't know a lot about Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, it's, it's a major prophet. And so it reads more like a series of sermons than it does a, uh, than it does a narrative. So like if you read through the Gospels, you're going to read stories. If you read through the book of Jeremiah, there's a couple stories, but mostly it's Jeremiah preaching to Judah. And the time that Jeremiah is preaching to Judah is a really difficult time uh, because Israel has totally walked away from God. They want nothing to do with God anymore. They're, they're worshiping all these idols. And so they, they've totally walked away. And it's in the first chapter where we read this story of God calling Jeremiah. And there's a lot of similarities between Jeremiah and us, and I want to I just point out a few of them. And so let's read verse number 4. The Bible says, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying... So God came to Jeremiah. God's audible voice comes to Jeremiah. Now, if that happened to us, we would, ha- we would have one of two reactions, right? We would either be really excited or some of us would probably be pretty freaked out. I mean, if God's voice came to us in the middle of the night, we'd be a little bit scared. But, but God's voice, God's audible voice comes to Jeremiah and, and he, he shares exactly what he wants him to do with his life. Um, and I've heard people make the argument before where people say things like, well, if God would just tell me what he wants me to do, like if God would just come down audibly tell me what he wants me to do with my life, then I would do it. Like if God wanted me to share the gospel, then, then he needs to come and, and tell me audibly, like I, I'm going to share the gospel because it would be so much easier if God would just tell us what he wants to do. If God told me what he wanted to do, wanted me to do audibly, then I would just drop everything and I, and I would do it. And for Jeremiah, that's what happened. The, the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah. And, and here's what, what he says to Jeremiah. He says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God is telling Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I have an intimate knowledge of who you are. I know everything about you. I knew you before you were even born. I knew everything about you, meaning that, that God knew the, the, the hardships that Jeremiah would go through. He knew Jeremiah's personality. He, he knew how many hairs were on Jeremiah's head. He, he knew everything about Jeremiah. He, he knew that, that Jer- whether Jeremiah was going to be an introvert or an extrovert, he knew everything about him. And he says, Jeremiah, listen, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you 
and I had a plan for you. And it's the same thing with us. Before we were even created, before we were conceived, God knew us and he had a plan for us. Like he had a desire for our life. And that's what God's telling Jeremiah. He's like, hey, I've got a plan for you. And I want you to give your life to, to, to sharing my message with the world. I want you to be a prophet to the nations. That's what he's telling Jeremiah. And, and the same thing's true for us. That, that he, he, before you were formed in the womb, God knew you. And he also had a desire for your life that after you placed your faith in Jesus... He wants us to share the gospel with the world. He wants us to give our lives to that message. But what was Jeremiah's answer? Verse number six. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Now, when I read that verse, I'm like, did he not hear what God just said? Like, God just said, before I formed you in the belly, but before you were even a twinkle in your parents' eyes, I knew who you were. I had an intimate knowledge of who you would be. I, I knew you. I know you. Now, it's going to be difficult. But if my Facebook followers can tell how old I am, don't you think that God could tell how old Jeremiah was? Right? Jeremiah says, no, God, you don't understand. I'm a child. Like, I'm too young for this. When I go out to share your word, when I go out to preach this message, nobody's going to listen to me because I'm too young. I'm just a child, and so I can't speak. I don't have any authority. I'm not able to do this because I'm just a child. And when I read that, I'm like, Jeremiah, he just told you he knows everything about you, including your age. He, he understands how old you are. He understands your shortcomings, and, and, and yet he called you anyway. But Jeremiah thought, oh, this is an oversight on God's part because I'm too young. I can't do this. There's no way that I can do this. He must have picked the wrong Jeremiah. Like Something had to have gone wrong because there's no way that I can do this. And he's expecting God to just be like, oh, you know what? You're right. My bad. I picked the wrong guy. I went through my list. Wrong last name. Sorry. You were next to the other Jeremiah. I need to go to over there. No, that's not what happens, right? Because God doesn't make mistakes. He, he knew exactly the Jeremiah that he was calling to share this message. That's ridiculous. God doesn't make mistakes. God knew everything about him, and he came to him and he says, hey, I have a message that I want you to share with a specific group of people. And Jer Jeremiah reacts to God's calling on his life negatively. He rejects his calling just because he feels inadequate. Sounds kind of familiar, right? I know that in my life that this has happened with me. And we look at Jeremiah and we say, Jeremiah, you're, you're crazy. Why would you reject God's calling just because you feel inadequate? He told you, he knew, he knew who you were, he knew everything about you. And yet when God calls us to share this message, to share this, this good news with the lost and dying worlds, world, what do we do? We often reject it. And we make excuses for, for why we reject it. And you might think like, oh, that's different because God told Jeremiah directly. Because if God told me directly that I needed to go into the world and preach the gospel, then I would do it. But I haven't heard God's audible voice. Well, there's a problem with that. Because First Peter says this, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice from him, uh, 
for, to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Peter is talking about people who have heard the audible voice of God. He's saying that, hey, we've heard the voice of God. We've heard the message of God. The, the message of Jesus came audibly from the voice of, voice of God. When Jesus was, was baptized, he, the, the voice of the Father came and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Like they heard that message audibly from God. Then he says this, and this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. So he's like, hey, we've heard the audible voice of God. And then he says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well to take heed as unto the light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. We have a more sure word of prophecy. What Peter's saying is, hey, more sure than hearing God's audible voice, more sure that, than an angel coming to you and saying you need to share the gospel, we've got a more sure word of prophecy. Like we have God in written form telling us that this world is actively dying and they're going to spend eternity separated from him. And, and if we don't do something about it, I mean, God, God could use the rocks to declare His glory, but He's chosen us to do so. We have a command in this book that, that is more sure than if you were to hear the audible voice of God because it's written down. And so God has commanded us. We are supposed to go out and share the gospel with this world. And now for us, looking back at Jeremiah, we think like, man, he's an idiot. Listen to these verses. Go ye therefore... And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. This is what we call the Great Commission. It was given to the disciples, the apostles, directly, but it's also given to every believer indirectly. That we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's our calling as believers in Jesus. We're to go into the world and teach all nations. That, that's the message that we're supposed to do. Um, and then Paul says this in, verse, in 2 Corinthians 5.18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. So even if you say, oh, well, the, the, the Great Commission was only given to the apostles, well, now we have Paul saying, hey, now, because he's reconciled us to himself, now he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. We're called to go into the world and help people be reconciled to their God. That's our calling, just like it was Jeremiah's calling to go into the world and to share this message that God wanted him to. It's our calling to go into the world and share the message of the gospel. And so God clearly gives us these commands. But what are our excuses? Well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. But I don't have the gift. I'm not gifted in that way. I'm too shy. I could never go up to somebody and share the gospel. I can't invite people to church because I'm too shy. Uh, I'm an introvert. I'm, I'm too introverted. I'm not an extrovert. I can't just go out and talk to people. It just doesn't work that way. I'm too shy. I'm too much of an introvert. And so God, God, God must have like forgotten who I was when he wrote these verses. Because there's no way that I can do it. The problem is, is just like he knew Jeremiah, he knew you. He knew me. He knew how he was going to create us. He knew that I was going to be introverted. He, he knew that you were going to be shy. 
He knew these things about us before we were created, and yet he still put these verses in Scripture. Because they're commands. It's interesting, we reject God's calling because we feel inadequate. Just like Jeremiah did. He said, no, I'm a child. Oh, we say, oh, no, I'm an introvert. It's the same thing. We're rejecting God's calling because we feel inadequate. But can I remind you, the same God that knew everything about Jeremiah knew everything about you. Now, I don't know why it is that God creates people like me who it mortifies me to talk to, to new people. I, I, I don't know if you know this about me, but, but I, I, would, I would rather smash my finger with a hammer than, than talk to somebody that I don't know. Like, I just, I don't like, it's not something I enjoy doing. It, it, it stresses me out. I can stand up here and I can talk in front of people all day. Like, that doesn't bother me. But talking to somebody new one-on-one, like, that stresses me out. Like, I start sweating. It's bad. But then he creates people like Pastor Forsberg, who, like, could have a conversation with that wall right there and it would be a productive conversation. Like, I don't, I don't know why he creates people like me and people like him differently, but we have the same commands. I don't, I don't understand it. We're, but we're different. I think of my father-in-law. My father-in-law can get the gospel into any conversation with, with, with anybody. I mean, it's impressive. Like, I spend time with him, and it's convicting for me because he'll be—he'll go to the store and he'll be talking about some random, random subject. He'll be asking somebody where a nail is in a, in a, in a like a Home Depot, and then somehow, like five minutes later, we're talking about Jesus, and it's it's impressive. I don't know why he, he, he doesn't create all of us like that, but some of us, we have different personalities. And for some of us, it's more difficult to share the gospel than it is, with other, than it is for other people. And yet we have the same command. God knew everything about Jeremiah. He knew that he was too young, and yet he still says, hey, I'm going to make you a prophet of the nations. And I know it's going to be difficult, but, but I'm going to make you this prophet. And for the majority of us, it's It's scary. It's intimidating to share the gospel. It's intimidating to go up to somebody and share your faith. It's intimidating to invite somebody to church. And it was for Jeremiah, too. He was fearful. And Jeremiah's fear was not, um, man, they're going to make fun of me, or they're not going to like me anymore, or it's going to be embarrassing. His fear was like, they're going to cut my head off. Like, like they, they are going to, to end my life if they don't like the message that I'm preaching, because they were doing that to the prophets, this was Jeremiah's fear. He had a reason to be fearful and he felt inadequate because he knew that in himself, he didn't have the source of authority that he needed. He was going to have an entire society of the fallen world completely against him. It was fearful. This was not a comfortable thing for Jeremiah to do. He felt inadequate. But God responds to Jeremiah's objection in verse number eight. Look at what he says. Sorry, verse number seven. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou, hast, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. God says, hey, listen. Hey, Jeremiah, I didn't ask how old you are. Sorry, like, it's not your birthday. I'm not, I'm not singing happy birthday to you. I didn't ask how old you are. I, I gave you a command. 
Jeremiah responded to the command with, hey, oh, no, no, I'm too young. God says, no, that's not, what I, that's not what I asked. I told you, you're going to be a prophet to the nation. I have a plan for you. I've got, I've got something for you to do. God wasn't interested in what Jeremiah could or couldn't do. That wasn't God's interest. He, he, he really couldn't care less about what Jeremiah could or couldn't do because he had the power to do what Jeremiah could He had the ability to do what Jeremiah wasn't able to do. And God, all through Scripture, uses people to to accomplish His plan that that were not capable of of accomplishing that plan. I think of uh, Joseph, a slave boy, that God uses to deliver an entire nation from a famine. Joseph had no ability to be a politician. He had had no, no, like, like, there was no way Joseph was going to be able to do this. And yet God used Joseph to, to deliver a nation from, from starving to death. I think of Moses. What did Moses say? God comes to Moses in a burning bush and says, hey, I want you to go to the biggest, or the leader of the biggest nation at the time and demand that, that he let my people go. And what does Moses say? He says, hey, I can't speak. I, I, I have a stutter. I'm not, I'm not able to talk. And God says, that's not what I asked. What about Gideon? When God found Gideon, he was in a wine press. He was threshing wheat in a wine press. You don't thresh wheat in a wine press because in a wine press, there's no wind, and you need wind to be able to thresh wheat. Gideon is fearful of the Midianites when God first finds him. And when God first comes to Gideon, Gideon's scared out of his mind. He's like, God, I can't do this. And God says, I didn't ask if you could do it because I know I can. That's what he tells to Jeremiah. Hey, don't say you're a child. Don't be fearful. Why? Because I'm with you. God wasn't worried about what Jeremiah could do because God knew he would be with Jeremiah. Now we fast forward to the New Testament. We get to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every nation, and what does he say at the end? And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Jesus, Jesus doesn't tell us that we can do it. Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, oh, like you, you're, you know what, you're smart, you're intelligent, you can think on your feet, you're great. What gives us confidence in evangelizing is the presence of God. If we don't have the presence of God, we're not able to do it. But with the presence of God, we're able to. And so he promises that he'll go with us just like he promised to go with Jeremiah. Same is for you. God is going to be, when you go to the work and you try to share the gospel with your coworker, guess what? You might not have the ability to do it, but he does. And, he, and he's promised to go with you. And this means that any time in his message, sorry, any time his message, Jeremiah's message affects the hearts of people, it wasn't because Jeremiah was good. It wasn't because Jeremiah was this great preacher. It wasn't because Jeremiah had experience. It wasn't because Jeremiah was, was an amazing guy. It was all the grace of God, which is the same for us. And we can get kind of prideful in, in the fact that, oh, we got to share the gospel with an employee and they got saved. Like, like it's so weird to me that people can, can get prideful over the amount of people that they've seen come to Christ. Like, this is, this is the thing when I was growing up a lot. Like, people would brag on the amount of people that they saw saved this year. And they'd be like, man, I saw 100 people get saved on my bus route this year. Um, the interesting part was none of them were in church or being discipled, but they got saved. So, um, and, and they were like, they were going at it. Man, like, like they would just brag about it. The problem with that is that wasn't them. 
Like they had no ability to lead anyone to Christ. The, the only way it happens is by the grace of God. God gives us the power to be able to share the gospel with people. And the same was true with Jeremiah. God telling Jeremiah, hey, listen, I know that you can't do it. And that's even better because when they listen or if they listen, it's going to be by my power, not by yours. The same is true with us. Even if you're gifted in sharing your faith, anytime someone places their faith in Jesus, it's by the grace of God alone. It's by God's power, not your gifting. And so Jeremiah could have confidence. He could have confidence because God had promised to be with him. And then in verse number 8, he says this, Be not afraid of their faces. For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. He's like, hey, you can have confidence, but also you can you cannot be afraid. You don't, you don't have to be afraid. He's like, listen, people are going to look at you weird. People are going to think you're different. People are going to think it's awkward that you're going into the streets, that you're preaching this message. People are going to think you're really weird. But he says, hey, don't be afraid of their faces. Because you're doing what I told you to do. God doesn't promise Jeremiah that everybody's going to listen. And he doesn't promise us that everybody's going to listen. But we can't, we can't determine obedience by the outcome. It, that, that, that would, if we did that, then we would never obey. God, God doesn't promise that everybody's going to listen. Some people are going to laugh in your face. Some people are going to shut the door. Some people are going to, to, to gossip about you behind your back because you've shared the gospel with them. And that's okay. Because God tells Jeremiah, hey, don't be afraid of their faces. Because I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to fear because the presence of God is what gives us confidence to evangelize. I think one of the biggest reasons that people don't evangelize is that fear of man. The Bible says that the fear of man brings a snare. It brings a trap. We shouldn't fear people. We shouldn't fear the ones who can only kill the body and not the soul. We should fear the one who is able to cast the whole body into hell. That's what Jesus says. We should fear God over man, and if we feared God over man, we would obey God. And so if we, if we view, it'll change your view on sharing the gospel if you go into conversations with the mindset of, hey God, this is your conversation. This is your message. This is the message that you want me to share with people. This isn't my message. This isn't something that I just came up with. I wasn't laying in bed one night and I just found, like, like had the idea that God sent his son into this world to, 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 to save mankind from their sins and he rose again from the dead. No, this is like historically accurate. This is something that you did. This is your message. It's not mine. And so when you go into a conversation with the gospel, this is God trying to reach that person. This isn't just a conversation between you and that person. This is God in his grace pursuing that person. And so if Israel rejected God's message, it wasn't because they were rejecting Jeremiah. It's because they were rejecting God. And the same is true with us. If somebody rejects the message that you're trying to preach to them, if somebody rejects the gospel, it's not because they're rejecting you. It's because they're rejecting him. And so then God goes on in verse number 9. And this is important because we really have to remember what the message is. Here's what he says in verse number 9. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put words in thy mouth. So he's saying, hey, Jeremiah, this is the message that you're going to preach to the nations. See, I have set this day over, set this, sorry. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy 
and to throw down, to build up and to plant. It's kind of an awkward message. It's kind of an awkward way to, to go about it because there was an aspect of Jeremiah's message that was hard. Because he says, listen, your message, it's going to root out, it's going to pull down, it's going to destroy, and it's going to throw down. This doesn't sound like a comforting message, right? He, he's, God says, listen, there's going to be a part of this message that's going to be hard. And I think the society, because, because the society around Jeremiah didn't recognize their sin. If we keep reading in the book of Jeremiah, the Bible says this in Jeremiah 2, 23. He, he says, how canst thou say, I am not polluted? I have not gone after Balaam. This, these were things that, that the people of Israel were saying at the time. They were saying, oh no, we're not polluted. We haven't gone after Balaam. God, God, we're, we're totally cool with God. God's fine. Like We're, we're, we're not disobeying him. It's, it's totally okay because they didn't recognize their sin. That was the reason that Jeremiah's message had to pull down and to destroy. There was an aspect of Jeremiah's message that was discouraging because the society around him didn't recognize that they were sinful people. And so what Jeremiah had to do first was convince them, hey, you're sinful people. Sound familiar? C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, brings this idea out. Because C.S. Lewis says, and, and he's writing this book a, a, a while ago, and in his book he says, hey, hundred years ago, or hundreds of years ago, the gospel was just good news. Because that's what the, what the word gospel means. It was just good news. Because everybody understood that they were not able to get to heaven the way that they were. Everybody understand that they were sinful. Everybody understand that they had broken God's law. Everybody understood that there was something wrong in them that was keeping them from God. And so when you went to share the gospel with someone, you were just saying, hey, there's a way that you can get to God. And that was good news. But C.S. Lewis said in his time, there was a shift. Because people stopped recognizing that they were, they were sinners. And, and people began to start justifying their sin. And saying that they were okay, that's just the way I am, it's totally fine. And if it was like that in C.S. Lewis' day, what's it like in ours? Because now we have objective truth, but we have no strings attached. Sexuality, we have gender fluidity, all things where, where you're able to live your truth. And nothing's right, nothing's wrong, there's no sin, there's no good, truth isn't objective, it's relative, and so you can kind of just live however you want, and you're not doing anything to offend God. That's the day that we live in, that's the day that Jeremiah lived in. Where, where there was no right, there was no wrong, it was just fine. And Jeremiah had the difficult task of convincing people that they were sinful people. And a lot of times we get really focused on that. And one of the reasons that we begin to get scared to share the gospel is because we forget that, that the gospel is good news. It's not bad news. There, there is an aspect now that we have to convince people, uh, we have to tell people some bad news. And that is that they're sinners. But the gospel inherently, in the end, it's good news. And so was Jeremiah's because at the end, he says, hey, you're not just going to tear down. You're not just going to destroy. You're not just going to do these things that are negative, but you're going to build up. You're going to plant. So, so the, the message that Jeremiah was going to preach, it was gonna, there was parts of it that were going to be discouraging, 
But ultimately, Jeremiah's message was good news. And so God, because God was calling his people to repent. And a lot of times when we think, like John the Baptist in the New Testament, when we think, uh, when he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, we think that he was like screaming at these people and like, you're wicked, you're sinful, I can't believe you need to repent. When God calls us to repentance, it's not an act of God's judgment, it's an act of his grace. When he calls us to repentance, it's because we've walked away from him and he has the ability to destroy us. He has the ability to just cast us into hell right there. He could do that if he wanted to, and yet he calls us to repentance. He says, hey, I want you back. We shouldn't view God when he calls people to repentance. It's not that God is a tyrant, that he's out to get people. Repentance is really a picture of God's grace. And we see this in Jeremiah chapter 4. If you have your Bible, go over to Jeremiah chapter 4. Is a perfect example of, of the fact that God is a loving God calling a group of people back to himself. Look at verse number one. He says, If thou wilt return, O Israel, saith the Lord, return unto me, and if thou wilt put away thine abominations out of my sight, then shalt thou not remove. And thou shalt swear, the Lord liveth in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness, and the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your heart, ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like a fire, and burn down, and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. God says, listen, I don't want to have this friction between us. I don't want to have this, 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 this hardship in our relationship. I don't want this. I don't want to destroy you. I don't want to have to, to discipline you. I don't want this. And so just come back to me. I don't want judgment to have to come down on you. Just come back. Just repent. Just come to me. This, this is why in the book of Hosea, the picture is a husband whose wife has been unfaithful and he's begging his wife to come back to him. Because that's God. He, he desperately wants to have a relationship with the people in Brookings, South Dakota. Desperately. He doesn't want them to have to face eternal judgment. And a lot of times, because we have to convince the world of their sin first, we look at the gospel and we think, oh, it's bad news, and so we get scared, we get scared to, to, to share it with people. But the, the fact is, the gospel is not bad news. The gospel is good news. And so we need, to, we need to get through the fact that, yeah, we do have to share the fact that they're sinners. We do have to convince people of that. But there's also hope. And we're sharing a news that is ultimately good. And so I wanted to end tonight, I forgot to bring one up, but, but um, in the back we have these Join Us Sunday cards. And on the back of those Join Us Sunday cards, that it shares each step or each truth that someone needs to understand in order to have a relationship with Jesus. They need to understand that God loves them. They need to understand that they're a sinner. They need to understand that that sin has consequences. They need to understand that Jesus paid the, the price of those consequences on himself, that he rose again from the dead. 
And they need to understand that all they need to do to have a relationship with God is to place their faith in Jesus. And, and you can take those cards and you can hand them out. That's one way of doing it. You can take those cards this week and you can hand them to people and just say, hey, would you promise me that, that you'll read through these truths? And if you have any questions, just text me, call me, let me know. That's one way you could do it. If they have time, you could sit down with them and walk through each one of those truths and just explain to them and tell them your story. But share that message with them. Another way you can do it is invite them here to a service because every service here, we preach the gospel. We, we make sure that we do. We make sure that Jesus is uplifted, that he's glorified, and that people have an opportunity to place their faith in Jesus. That's what we do. And so those are a couple different ways that you can do it. But we've got to get this message out. And I'm just as guilty of, of ignoring this, the, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. I've done it before. We've got to get this message out. Because people are, just like the people in Jeremiah's day, they were dying. They were going to face judgment because of their sin. And God sends Jeremiah and says, no, God wants you to repent. And that's the message to the world today. And just like Jeremiah had to get this message out, we have to get this message out. So if it's not your gift, I have good news. God's not worried about your gift. God's not worried about my ability to be an extrovert. He's not worried about that. Because it's his power, not my own power. He's not worried about our gifts. And even though there's a part of the message that's kind of hard to hear, the gospel is ultimately good news. And so let's put aside the fact that we're introverted and, 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 and it's not my gift. Let's put, put all that, put who we are aside and just allow God to speak this message through us to our community. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time that we've been able to spend in Jeremiah. I pray that you would help us to